Almighty and everlasting God, who didst will that our Savior should take upon him our flesh and suffer death upon the cross, that all mankind should follow the example of his great humility, mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In just about every language, the week commemorating the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord is called Holy Week. The liturgical books themselves, however, technically refer to this week as the Hebdomada Mayor, or Great Week. Back in the 4th century, St. John Chrysostom, the Patriarch of Constantinople, explained, We call it great, not because it has more days than other weeks, or because its days have more hours, but because of the number and greatness of the mysteries we celebrate therein. For it is in these days that the devil's tyranny was destroyed, death was disarmed, sin and the curse were taken away, heaven was opened and made accessible to man, who because of this became the equal of the angels. Its fasting and vigils are also longer, its offices more numerous. At the most solemn moments of the year, the church asks her priests to explain to the people the meaning and symbols of the sacred ceremonies. Therefore, I would like to speak to you today about the importance and symbolism of the ceremonies of Palm Sunday. Even though we cannot be present together in church for a solemn celebration of these ceremonies this year, or perhaps especially because of that fact, it is fruitful to make the effort to enter into the spirit of our mother, the church, who loves to teach us through her sacred liturgy. As blessed Columbia Marmion reminds us, we know that it is especially by the liturgy that the church brings up the souls of her children in order to make them like unto Jesus and thus perfect the image of Christ, who is the very form of our predestination. I encourage you all to read through the Holy Week ceremonies this week in your missal and to pray with them. If you use a traditional missal from before 1955, rather than a 1962 missal, you can find this rich ceremony, as I am about to describe it, in the form that existed for centuries before the changes made in the middle of the 20th century. The ceremony of Palm Sunday contains three main parts. First, the blessing of palms, then the procession and station at the church door, and finally high mass with the reading or singing of the Passion. The beautiful and elaborate ceremony for the blessing of palms in the traditional rite is in fact a so-called dry mass, consisting of the main parts of a normal mass, but without the consecration. An introit is sung at the beginning, then a collect, then an epistle and gradual, then a gospel with all the usual ceremonies as at high mass, then a preface and even the sanctus. The several prayers for the actual blessing take the place of the canon of the mass. These beautiful prayers explain the symbolism of the palms and also of olive branches, which are used in some countries. And even though we don't have any olive trees in our part of the world, these prayers remind us of the beginning of our Lord's Passion in the Garden of Olives. As far as we can surmise, after this ceremony originated at Jerusalem in ancient times and was then transplanted to Rome and the north, two Masses were said, one for the blessing 
and the other after the procession at another church. The palms would have been blessed at the first mass. Whatever be the historical origin of this ceremony, however, its importance is undoubted. Along with the blessed candles of Candlemas and the blessed ashes, these palms are one of the three major sacramentals blessed during the liturgical year. The blessing of palms, however, is by far the most elaborate of all these blessings. The traditional Palm Sunday is therefore one of the most majestic of all Catholic ceremonies. The reformers of the 1950s did not like this long ceremony because from their limited and rationalistic perspective, the blessing of a mere sacramental does not call for such a solemn and unusual ritual. But the objection was short-sighted, since this rich and elaborate ceremony is designed not merely to produce a sacramental, but it is the opening act of the entire Holy Week, and it should be seen in this light. The Holy Mass is the summary, indeed, the renewal of the sacrifice our Lord enacted at that first Holy Week, culminating in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And so it is fitting that the week should open with a solemn blessing resembling a Mass. The lesson from the book of Exodus, which is read as an epistle in the dry Mass, prefigures many of the sacred mysteries of Holy Week. In those days, the children of Israel came into Elim, where there were twelve fountains of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped by the waters. And they set forward from Elim, and all the multitude of the children of Israel came into the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, the fifteenth day of the second month after they came out of the land of Egypt. And all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat over the flesh pots and ate bread to the full. Why have you brought us into this desert, that you might destroy all the multitude with famine? And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Let the people go forth and gather what is sufficient for every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. But the sixth day, let them provide for to bring in, and let it be double to that they are wont to gather every day. And Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, In the evening you shall know that the Lord hath brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. In this reading, dear faithful, the sacred number 12 anticipates the 12 apostles and the number 70 alludes to the larger company of disciples of the Lord. The oasis springs which refreshed the Hebrews in the desert are a prefiguration of the sacrament of baptism, and therefore look forward to Holy Saturday, when the baptismal font will be blessed and the catechumens will be baptized. The manna given to feed the Israelites in the desert is a prefiguration of the blessed sacrament, which will be given by the Lord on Holy Thursday. As the Hebrews were allowed to do no work on the Sabbath, they were told to collect a double portion of manna the day before. During Holy Week, the same thing will happen. On Holy Thursday, a double portion is collected when the priest consecrates two hosts, one to consume on that very day and another for the service of Good Friday, when the divine sacrifice is not offered. The murmuring of the Hebrews against Moses also anticipates the conspiracy of our Lord's enemies. 
This reading, therefore, encapsulates and prefigures all the mysteries of Holy Week, which we shall relive in the sacred liturgy day by day. We should meditate upon this reading and not skip over it lightly. The Gospel of the Dry Mass gives the story of our Lord's entry into Jerusalem. This reading is obviously a natural choice, but here too the Word of God conceals divine mysteries. Go ye into the village that is over against you, and immediately you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loosen them and bring them to me, and if any man shall say anything to you, say ye that the Lord hath need of them. The Lord thus fulfills the prophecy of Zechariah from the Old Testament. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout for joy, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king will come to thee, the just and the Savior. He is poor and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. Summarizing the interpretation of the church fathers, the great abbot Dom Guéranger explains the deeper significance of these two beasts when he writes, The ass represents the Jewish people, which had been long under the yoke of the law. The colt, upon which, as the evangelist says, no man hath yet sat, is a figure of the Gentile world, which no one had ever yet brought into subjection. Our own beloved St. Francis de Sales, like the Church Fathers, had also mentioned this mystical interpretation, which our saint says he finds very touching, but he also adds a moral interpretation of this mystery when he says, The ass, though heavy, sluggish, and lazy, has great humility. It is neither proud nor vain. In this it is unlike the haughty horse. Now our Lord, who was humble and came to destroy pride, chose not to use this proud animal to carry him, he chose the most simple and the most humble of all animals because he so loved lowliness and humility that only a humble mount could serve him. God dwells and abides only in the simple and humble of heart. After this gospel, the blessing continues with the singing of a solemn preface and even the sanctus like at Mass, and then a series of five prayers which we cannot explain now, but which you can read in your missal for your edification. Once the blessing has concluded, the palms are sprinkled with holy water and incensed, and the clergy and people receive their palms, a sign of victory. The procession then goes outside. In the Middle Ages, these processions could be quite long, and often went from one church to another, and stopped at the city gates for the dramatic ceremony we shall now explain, and which nowadays is held at the church door. The ceremony in front of the church doors after the procession is one of the most deeply symbolic moments of the entire liturgical year. Several cantors go inside, and when they sing through the door, and then they sing through the doors in alternation with the choir outside. We sing the beautiful hymn Gloria Laus, Glory, Praise, and Honor to Thee, Redeemer King, written in the ninth century by St. Theodulf, the Bishop of Orleans. The subdeacon then taps on the door with the foot of the cross, and only then do the doors open, because heaven was opened to us only by the cross of Christ. There is and can be no other Savior. On the one hand, the entry into church represents our Lord's entrance into the city of Jerusalem. This is the historical level. On the other hand, the church building, like the earthly city of Jerusalem itself, 
represents heaven. The doors of heaven were shut to us by Adam's sin. The singers inside the vestibule singing through the doors represent the angels. By Christ's victory, angels and men become brothers and are united in the church triumphant. The entry of the priest into the church after the doors have been opened by the cross also prefigures the ascension of our Lord as he carries the spoil of victory with him into heaven. Many of the mysteries of our salvation, therefore, dearly beloved brothers, are symbolized by these ceremonies of Palm Sunday. The celebration of Holy Mass then follows. As for all solemn Masses of Lent, the deacon and subdeacon wear penitential folded chasubles in place of the dalmatic and tunic they normally wear, which are vestments of joy. The most notable feature of the Mass of Palm Sunday is the Passion according to St. Matthew, which is read after the tract. This long tract is taken from Psalm 21, which contains exact prophecies of the Passion, and whose first words were quoted by our Lord from the cross when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? By quoting the beginning of this messianic psalm, our Lord was evoking the whole psalm, which he continued to pray in his heart. What does this psalm say? I am a worm and no man, the reproach of men and the outcast of the people. All they that saw me have laughed me to scorn. They have spoken with the lips and wagged the head. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They parted my garments amongst them, and upon my vesture they cast lots. In other words, by quoting the beginning of this psalm, the Lord was reminding the Jews at the foot of the cross that they were witnessing with their own eyes the fulfillment of prophecy. The promised one had come indeed. Let us remember in troubled times when all seems to be lost, when we want to cry out because we too feel abandoned, that God is always in charge and his plans are infallibly fulfilled. Wanting to spare nothing in the work of our redemption, Jesus on the cross allowed the sentiments of his human nature to feel this sense of abandonment to their fullest. But by the beatific vision, he remained always united to God. Our faith offers to us the same possibility. Grief and distress must not make us falter, but turn in trust to God, who is our loving Father. When the Palm Sunday Mass is held with full solemnity, three different deacons sing the Passion. One the part of our Lord in a fine baritone, one the part of the narrator in a middle voice, and one the parts of the crowd on a high pitch. This very long Passion account includes the narrative of the Last Supper, because in the mind of the Church, the institution of the Eucharist and the offering of the redeeming Passion cannot be separated. The Holy Mass is not just a meal, nor is it even simply a memorial of the Last Supper. Rather, the Mass is a true and proper sacrifice offered to God, renewing the sacrifice offered once and for all on Calvary, a sacrifice anticipated by our Lord on Holy Thursday. Taking the chalice, he gave thanks and gave to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which shall be shed for many unto the remission of sins. 
The final part of the Passion, recounting the burial of our Lord, is sung as the gospel of the day by the deacon of the Mass, and is accompanied by incense as usual for the embalming of our Lord's body, but without candles because of the sorrow of the occasion. There is a beautiful optional tone called the weeping tone for this gospel passage. As we reflect on the sacred mysteries contained in the traditional rites of Holy Week, let us ask God to pardon our past indifference if we have been sluggish in attending these mystical rites or wearied at their length. And let us promise him that next year we shall return to their celebration with greater zeal and love than ever before. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.